A while back, Forbes magazine put out a list of occupations. But this was an interesting list. It was a list of occupations that were most likely to be held by sociopaths, people who were unable to empathize with the feelings of others. Let me read you this list in order. The list goes surgeon, CEO, lawyer, salesperson, journalist, clergy. Clergy was, was number six on, on the list of most likely jobs held by sociopaths. Now, on the flip side, let, let me read to you the list that they also put out of least likely to be held by sociopaths. Care aid, nurse, therapist, craftsperson, beautician, charity worker, teacher, creative artist, and doctor. Now, what we want to talk about today is why is it that clergy, that pastors are on the first list and not the second? You're listening to Folk Theology, where we have conversations with the people of Soundhouse Church about the diversity of beliefs within the Christian faith and how they shape us today. We hope this podcast is fun and informative and a place to discuss topics that might not make it to the pulpit. So, Ryan, how do you feel about being on that list? I'm not feeling good about that list. <laughs> We're in good company, though. Uh, we are. You know what I noticed mm. is that of all those occupations, I think clergy also makes the least. <laughs> I think so. How do we get on that list? I don't know. It's not fair. <laughs> it, it seems so counterintuitive, though, because I think most of us in our head, when we think of the word pastor, the the, the word that maybe comes up next is, is the word shepherd, right? Yeah. And when we think that you're caring for mm -hmm. people and you spend time with people and you love people. I mean, you're up on stage teaching about love and compassion all the time. Yes. And then it's just so interesting that it's, you know, because the second list of least likely, they're all caring positions. Yeah. It's so weird that clergy is in the first and not in the second. Yeah. I mean, as I was listening through the list as you were reading it, I mean, I understand some of the dynamics in those in, in the field, which is there's a it's a bit hands off. Right. Mm -hmm. um, a, a bit, what do you mean by that? Hands off. A, a little bit more disconnect. I'm assuming a surgeon is basically operating someone who's. The surgeon mm -hmm. feels like the definition of hands-on. <laughs> well, I mean, but not connected <laughs> emotionally and emotionally. Relationally. Oh, okay. And so, you know, I, I can. I'm not saying that for everybody. But I'm saying as I went through the list, but then I think why clergy stuck out to me as one that it it, it didn't fit into the same type of uh, um, relationally connected thing, like disconnect that some of those professions have. Um, and then it got me thinking a little bit about maybe it's on that list for a certain reason. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, when I look at that first list, if I had to, to whittle it down to something, I would say that they're all occupations that view people as metrics. They're numbers. Maybe so. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, in the case of a surgeon, I guess you do enough surgeries, mm -hmm. you start kind of seeing people as meat. CEO. Right. See, yeah, exactly. CEO, mm -hmm. uh, how many of them are actually in relationship with their employees that, mm -hmm. you know, 
thousands of employees versus they're looking at budget sheets. They're looking at numbers yeah. and they're saying, yeah, we got to We got to lay off these people sure. and whatever, not saying anything you know, for or against that, but just saying this idea that that first list is all metric based. Yeah. They see people as numbers, which is their job, which is the job for sure. Mm-hmm. The second list is all people who are hands on, who are relationally and emotionally invested in people. But the question is, if we all view pastors as these shepherding people who talk about love and compassion, mm-hmm. how are they not in the compare? How are they not in the, the caring category? How are they in the category of viewing people as metrics, as numbers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe they got it wrong, Chad. That's what I'd want to believe, but. I think it is. It is. I think it's telling. Uh, yeah, I think it's telling. I think it's saying something about the pastoral culture that we're that we do see, and um, and uh, probably just uh, a reckon a recognition that um, the past the pastoral role m- might have or is migrating away from the care, mm. compassion, shepherding aspect. Yeah, it leads me to say, if, if it's on, whatever, it, uh, if it sounds like a duck and it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, whatever, all that, maybe it's <laughs> yeah. a duck. My, my thought is, if yeah. it's on a list surrounded with people who view people as metrics and numbers, mm-hmm. maybe it's on that list because pastors have become an occupation that views people as numbers, as metrics. I can see that. And not as people who are emotionally invested in that. And, and that's mm-hmm. really what we want to talk about today yeah. is kind of... Um, the the issue with how the issue with the role that pastors are in 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 our culture, uh, yeah. Christian culture and American culture, um, be, because in in one way there's such a position of honor and respect or you know and and, and uh, model of morality, mm-hmm. but at the same time, are we even surprised when you see another pastoral scandal in the news? Yeah, no, and that's a sad state that it doesn't shock anybody almost except for the people who are directly involved from that pastor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have a running joke is, um, you know, pastors have their scandals. And so we always ask Ryan, what's your scandal going to be? And we say, Hey, as a lead pastor, you are permitted one scandal. I mean, that's, it's almost a given in your field. As I'm going to exit ministry, I got a, my scandal that would put me out you're going to have one. Everyone <laughs> everyone has one. And it can't be cliche. That's what we say. It has to be. You're allowed to have a scandal as long as it's original, yeah. right? Yes. Nothing with money, nothing with sex. Come no. on, Ryan. Real. I mean, that's not creative. No, it's not. No. Yeah. Seriously. But smuggling tigers, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what we're saying is, is we want you to be caught at the border with a U-Haul full of like ferrets or something, <laughs> you know? That's yeah. that's the kind of scandal we want from our lead yeah. pastor. Something that's original. Let's not just be a uh, a role player here, you know. Um, yeah. Well, Chad, and what's funny about that is we've been joking, and, <clears throat> sorry, about this for years. Yeah. But I think as we were approaching this subject for the podcast, it, it's actually sad that it's it's such a joke anyone will get. Oh yeah. We can tell anyone that joke that we're we're, we're joking about, and we everybody's in on the joke. They get it. Yeah. That's a sad thing no one's like wait what do you mean you're <laughs> almost expecting your lead pastor to have a scandal yeah yeah we just we just want it to be creative mm-hmm. you know let's not be one of those <laughs> churches let's be one that really makes the headlines <laughs> yeah, so. for sure go big or go home <laughs> yeah so i mean this is just kind of a, a known issue and what we really want to take a look at today mm-hmm. is 
is really the the role and the spotlight um, that that pastors are in, and what leads to this high likelihood of of scandal of uh, falls from grace, you yeah. know. And you know, Ryan and I have both worked in the church world for a while, and we've seen it. Mm-hmm. I remember working for a church um, a while back, and we had this guy who was planning this big uh, Christmas-like worship special, right? And every Sunday he was talking about it from stage, building it up. We're passing out flyers, all the staff meetings are talking about it. And suddenly we walk in. I've been on staff probably a couple months at this time. We walk in and there's just someone else leading worship. <laughs> and, um, oh, what about the Christmas thing? Oh, we're not doing that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Something Which is happened. <laughs> that is church speak for moral yeah, failure. Yeah, for sure. Right. That, mm-hmm. that that's that's how that works. Is uh, mm-hmm. there's more damage in talking about it, so we just it just disappears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have unfortunately had a, have had a lot of experience um, in ministries that have that have gone through this. Uh, one of my uh, uh, mentors in my life went through this. Um, it was. Uh, heart-wrenching for anyone mm. uh, who was a part of uh, his ministry. Um, per, uh, I, I had a, a guy who was um, very well-known that I had an opportunity to travel with um, overseas. And um, I was overseas in, in, in the midst of his scandal. And uh, Oh, really? Yes. And he would start saying things about... I gave my time to God. I gave enough to him. It's time for me. And I remember as a young wow. just believer, just like so confused about that. And it, mm. it really troubled me. And then not long later, uh, you know, his ministry went through a massive crisis due to his yeah. thinking of it's time for me. So, I, I mean, and then I was hurt. But what in some ways I feel bad because for me, I had a passion and a calling to go into ministry. So... It, mm-hmm. in a way, made me a little wiser, hmm. made me ask more questions than I should, and also made me ask questions of myself. But on the other hand, most people aren't called into ministry in that way, and yeah. so they're really deeply hurt by it. So mm. it can be very devastating yeah. uh, for a lot of people and counterproductive uh, for ministry. Yeah. You, you know, it's so frustrating as uh, an insider in the business, if you want to say. Sure is um, we see the pastors that um, that people get excited about. Sure. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the best way to say it. The people who have, you know, millions of followers on their social media and who, mm-hmm. you know, are, are, are selling, selling the books and all of that. Um, and so often they're, they're moral failure, they're falls from grace. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we know so many of your everyday pastors who are just the best people mm-hmm. who just live to serve their congregation and no one will ever know yeah. them. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not the, I don't know how to say it. It's without being offensive to certain people, but, but there's so many, there's thousands and thousands of the true shepherds mm-hmm. who love God and love their church and, and seek to serve both, um, but but they seem to be so much less known or exposed in in the Christian culture. Yeah, I think for sure. And you know what, Chap? At the end of the day, 
um, even if we were to measure things by how influential someone is uh, publicly or on a mass scale, um, it, and we talk about this unknown pastor, but you just see like that heart of the shepherd in, in, in a way, and, and not that one is wrong or one is right. What I'm trying to say is e- even for a pastor who who I think we have to remind ourselves of like things done in secret are rewarded by God for mm. sure. Things that aren't known by everyone are rewarded and it, it, it's valued by God that even if someone's struggling saying nobody knows my name or man look at all those other people and how well they're doing um at the end of the day the person that we are trying to please is God not man I agree and I also would say that character reveals itself eventually I mean the whole premise for today's Mm -hmm. episode is just the fact of Mm -hmm. Of when you see these these pastor scandals, it's yeah. because eventually character was revealed. Yeah, um, and, and and I think it's important to say though is that almost uh, I, I no doubt all these pastors when they began ministry never mm. saw themselves as these as these people on these high platforms with this massive influence. Yeah. So I would never question their reasoning and heart for ministry. But I just you can tell along the way their character wasn't strong enough for that type of pressure and that type of, uh, in in some cases, fame. Mm. And and hey, how celebrities can't withstand that fame. Uh, So a pastor in the same way, like is in the same boat with that type of pressure. Yeah. What a weird phenomenon. Mm -hmm. What a weird phenomenon of celebrity pastor. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I, I personally don't think they belong together. Those two words, mm. but but um, yes. And you, and you get those those individuals who become a. See, I still want to use the word celebrity, uh, but who become very widely known mm-hmm. uh, that maintain their character. Um, you know, I, we were just talking the other day about Eugene Peterson. He's mm-hmm. the guy uh, who who wrote the paraphrase of the message. If you're familiar with that, the message paraphrase of the Bible. Um, and uh, I mean that that the message has has been printed like crazy, mm-hmm. and he's very very well known and and all of that. But um, we saw this interview that um, Fuller did with um, with you, with Bono. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Bono had from started YouTube. reading the message. Yeah, mm-hmm. from you two, mm-hmm. had started reading the message and was very moved by it and connected with it, and and was trying to get an interview with Eugene Peterson. Mm-hmm. And Fuller orchestrated this. Fuller University orchestrated this. And um, it's the funniest thing because this whole interview, you're like, Eugene Peterson has no idea who he's talking to right now. (laughs) (laughs) Or cares. (laughs) Yeah, like even at the very end of it, as Bono is like leaving and he's like kind of like skipping up the stairs and and Eugene Peterson's wife yells at him not to run. (laughs) And it was just like, you can't talk to Bono like that. You know, but he just has no idea. And they even show uh, Bono finally convinced Eugene Peterson to come to one of his, his shows. Yeah. And they went and Eugene Peterson's like so confused of how big Bono is. He like yeah. doesn't he doesn't get it just because he's just such a, a humble guy who just loves the word of God and loves his church. And that's his goal. His yeah. goal is not to be to be famous. His goal is not to be a celebrity. His goal is to be genuine, to be a disciple of Christ and to help lead other people to be a yeah. disciple. Of Christ. I, I think what I loved about that uh, little interview documentary, whatever that was, it was cool because. He lives on this tiny, small house, very modest house on a, on a little lake. I think it's in like Idaho or something like that or Montana. 
And then uh, Bono's coming to his house, and th- him and his wife, Eugene Peterson, his wife, are just like grandma and grandpa hosting you. It was yeah. it was nothing special. They yeah. were just talking about it, but it was very. Like, you know, the grandkids found out the next day. Like, who was at your house? <laughs> and he probably was some guy named Bono. Uh, yeah, you know. some guy named Bono. <laughs> <laughs> and w- what was really yeah. sweet about it was that you know a lot of times I think the temptation is to go. Well, here's a very big in to expand, a pastor would think, my platform, my voice. I've got one of the most famous rock stars of all time saying, I I have questions for you. I want to talk to you. Pining after him. Um, And he just said, you know, it's nice talking to you. And and almost like Bono felt like he was a fan of Eugene Peterson, which is very strange. Yeah. and I really respected that when I watched that. I thought that is a very, very cool thing that it it, it wasn't a, you know, I, I got an in. Mm-hmm. I, I can grow my platform. And you compare that with the plethora of pastors who are seeking with so much within them to mm-hmm. build to build their brand, to build their name. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to be known nationally, internationally. Yeah. Um, that how many followers they have on social media is really that relevant. Yeah. I mean, I've heard pastors who have been in Twitter wars with people, and I've heard the pastor, I saw the pastor's tweet saying, who are you? Mm-hmm. Look at how many followers you have. And, yeah. and I was like, what? Okay, wow. And I, I'm not going to just down anybody i think that culturally there's a ton of like you know uh incentives uh pastorally to grow into to and originally you're thinking i gotta i can reach more people with more influence my my message of the gospel the message of the gospel can go farther if Mm -hmm. my platform is bigger And, and that's probably that's probably what they tell themselves and there's probably a certain level of of truth in that yeah and i think they believe that truth but at the same time there's an overwhelming pressure that seems to break any human being story after story after story of celebrities or famous people being broken by Mm. that level of pressure of fame and followers expectations and how weird when you add the element of this person is supposed to be a a moral figure Mm mm-hmm a celebrity, okay, whatever, it makes TMZ, that's exciting, that's whatever. Sure. But when this person is someone who is supposed to be leading you in in becoming more like Jesus, mm-hmm. how devastating is it when they have that that fall from grace? Now, I I think at this point, I, 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 we want to make an argument. Yeah. And I want to shift the, shift this episode to to talking about and kind of proving this argument. Um, because I don't, I don't think that success is an issue in this, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think, as we mentioned, Eugene Peterson was uh, very well known, but mm-hmm. was not this celebrity figure. It's just because of what he pursued. Yeah. But I think at the end of it, what we're really arguing is that pastors should be known. Mm-hmm. There's a story I heard from someone I know who was serving as a as an elder. On on a church board a while back. Gosh, it must have been twenty years back. They were telling that they were telling me. Um, I would have been 10 years old, 20 years back. They were telling me recently of something that happened 20 years ago. There we go. <laughs> and and they're telling me that the pastor at the time who had become big, 
he had become, uh, you know, people were, were traveling to hear him speak and the church was just exploding, mm-hmm. um, had uh, an affair that became public and um, just, uh, you know, it's a classic fall from grace kind of story. So this guy I know was was in the board meeting um, after it all became public, and they were kind of breaking it down. And someone asked this pastor, "Well, who are your peers that you're accountable to?" And this guy I know said that he answered, "I have no peers." Now, at first, when I heard that, I viewed that as a really cocky statement of like, "I have no equals," <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but essentially, the more I think about it, the more I reflect on it, I, I think it was an honest statement of, "I have." I have no no one to talk to. I have no no friends. You know, I ha- I have no one who I know on that peer to peer level. And I think that leads into the whole issue that we want to get into is that when pastors are not known, when that disconnect begins to happen from the people they serve, yeah. they end up becoming something else. Which yeah. fits in that list of people who view people as metrics, <laughs> yeah, versus someone who shepherds and cares for people. Yeah, I I think being known is important. Everybody wants to be known. Um, the dangerous thing about not being in regular connection and that shepherding role is so important. Um, and you know, in my personal opinion, I think everybody has gifts. Yeah. Um, every pastor has it, but the shepherding piece is one that will hold your feet down to the ground. Mm. You know, even if as scripture talks about different pastoral gifts, right? Like teacher, administrator, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's a good argument. There's a good argument to be made that, mm-hmm. uh, we want our pastor to be all of those and, and they're just not, no. um, we have different gifts. Ryan and I have different gifts. We we're, we're, we're better at different stuff. Um, so yes, there's, there's something to be said on that, but you're right. That shepherding almost is, it's kind of at some level is required. It is. Um, you know, I took a spiritual assessment test, um, on the APES gifts, the apostolic gift, like it's apostle, evangelist, teacher, shepherd, Hmm. and, uh, and, uh, preacher. Okay. And, uh, a prophet, sorry. Um, and, it's funny because I came in at like an apostolic shepherd, which mm. is basically a, a schizophrenic pastor. I say it seems seems counter. Yeah. Yes, and so there's always the drive to like, okay, I see, I can see we can do more, we can do, you know. But then the shepherding piece pulls me back and says, this actually, like, you can't because yeah. if you do that, you'll lose this piece here. And it keeps me in balance in a way. But if I were to defer to one. If, especially if I have a choice, I'm going to go to shepherd. Mm. I, I'm just going to. I, well, I think that's what you said. If it keeps your feet on the ground. It does. Like I, I personally am much more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not naturally going to be in close relationship with everyone in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I have people in our church who mm-hmm. I do see often. Yeah. Some people who I am being shepherded by and mm-hmm. who I'm some who I'm shepherding. But I, but I have people in our church who who know me, and that's so important because I know that who I am outside of Sunday mornings mm-hmm. uh, will be known by a, a representations in our church. Yes, and certain lifestyle choices, certain habits, certain practices, whatever. I am conscious of the fact that our church sees them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm known. And I think that's just, that that's what's so important. There's, there's almost an inherent level of accountability yeah. that comes from Christian community when you, when you are known by people in your community. Yeah. And, and, you know, Chad, you know, this with me, it, it, it's a hard thing to, to try to help your church accept you as a human. Mm. 
Uh, so, like, what do you mean by that? Um, the, the, you know, I don't have to do this, but I do it for a reason to to like have someone relate to the humanity part of like when I share a story that's not very flattering of myself. Okay, right? That's just from the stage. That's not the the that's not a two way relationship. That's mm. just a one way communication. But in a sense of like, yes, I've had people afterwards say, "Why would you share a story like that? It makes you look yeah. so bad." And every pastor will have to make that decision to take a risk to allow part of their life to to be out there in order for the church to go you know what like we get it you're human we 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 get it and sure and so yes there you, you model this so well Ryan i think the biggest example that comes to my mind is that you are open about the fact that uh, of therapy right mm-hmm. that, yeah. that that yes you have learned stuff from therapy that you've yeah. gone to therapy but that's huge and, and that i needed it, it. Yeah. Many times, yes. That's huge in destigmatizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I remember one time it, it was, I had a choice to either to, to clam up and just kind of uh, become more surfacy. And it was, I was in a community group and it was no fault of this person. I think everybody has a different expectation of what a pastor should be. And, um, and you never know what you're going to get, right? And I remember sharing a story that was very vulnerable based on what this person was sharing about their own failure and how bad they felt about themselves. And I shared my story hmm. and my story was worse than their story. Okay. And then I just remember <laughs> taking it back because it, it was just a natural response, but unfiltered said, and it was, oh man, that makes me feel so much better because I mean, you're a pastor and you hmm. did that and yeah. I feel better about myself and wow. And I, I first admit, I thought, oh, that wasn't good, Ryan. You better pull that back. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you do have a choice every time you may walk into that 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 situation where you even might feel judged as a pastor mm. that vul- vulnerability and transparency and then so so you have a two-way relationship that is human yeah but i'm also have a great privilege of being able to speak spiritual truth into someone's life I, I just don't want to give that up or i will just become something i never want to be mm-hmm. yeah because it's a humbling experience but being humbled is so important mm-hmm. um I think we've all experienced this, but I, I know I have that, that when there's someone who looks up to you in a certain quality yeah, and they notice it, they pull it out, they compliment it. Hey, that's mm-hmm. so great the way you blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You suddenly turn around to yourself and say, yeah, I, I am good at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I am great at that. And hey, that's great for a little bit of self-confidence. Yeah. But when you are in a position which is just systemically repeating these things to yourself, mm-hmm. you begin to feel a little bit larger than life. For sure. I mean, listen, uh, it... it yeah, I'm not like I can walk around in Belmont and it, rarely will anyone will ever say anything to me. <laughs> and so it's I'm not in that status. So I don't sure. understand what that feels like. So I, I can't, you know, I, I, you know, I can't relate to some of the more well-known people. But I will say this is that in general, people like, you know, uh, because of the position sometimes and it's a nice thing. Um, but even if I'm like in a personal conversation, I say something, it can be maybe even more of like, because they want to express appreciation to you in some okay. way, but it can be maybe even more than what would be normal. And and I think sometimes you can be in a weird echo chamber of, of like, wow, I am really good, or oh, mm-hmm. I am really funny, or I am, you know, where 
there has to be a grounding in a way that you in a lot of times it's a system or people around you that will hold you down. We, uh, my parents always used to sit in the back of my sermons in the beginning and then I would get done and they would see these kids and I'd be talking with them and, and uh, it, for, for a long time. And I could feel really high on my horse when yeah. I was, and then my parents would just, just Jeff, you know what? You're, we know who you are. <laughs> And it was so good for me in a way. I hated it, but I it fought my ego. But we need those types of people in your life mm. that will keep you grounded. Um, you know, as I would walk out of church every Sunday, I called them the gauntlet, and I would have my guys at the church who poked fun at me. And I, I very much have a relationship with people like yeah. this. I can go back and forth. But it always kind of brought you down of like, oh, you decided to wear those pants today. Okay, well, yeah. did Anna let you have those pants? You know, yeah, so like yeah, yeah. that always just kind of kept me right. We know we're talking about Rob and Rick Piercy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And DJ, of course. Oh, and, DJ, yeah. And so, but those those th- types of voices in your life, um, and even the ones who can see and speak truthfully, you do this to me a lot, Chad, where you'll go, hey, listen, liked what you said. Here's some things I would I, I would challenge you on. Those are so good for me to have. Um, they challenge your ego. They challenge um, you in a lot of ways, but they keep you in check. And the more you can lean into those voices, the more grounded I think you'll be. Now, to be fair, we're not recruiting people for those voices. No, they volunteer. We feel like we have we've got enough of those, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't need anybody else. <laughs> don't don't hear that takeaway and say, mm-hmm. oh, I'll be sure to bring him down. Um, and, but Chad, on the flip side, yeah. let's not let's not like uh, paint a picture that's totally not true. We get a lot of criticism too, yeah. um, and so we need those other voices in our of encouragement in, in our life to encourage us. So yeah, yeah. That's when you circle back to Dan Park, and mm. and he just just builds you right back up. Mm, he has the gift. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but that is so important, and it's just this weird thing when you get in this echo chamber of compliments and admiration mm-hmm. that this this individual becomes larger than life. Um, they become isolated from people that they are serving, mm-hmm. um, and somewhere in that pressure they they turn to maybe something that's not not healthy something that's not um something they would, they would preach from and stage. i think inside it feels good to be looked at in a certain way um it, it's tempting because what you'll want to do then is reinforce that outward image more and more because of how good it feels when you have those eyes like that looking at you and at that point you're lying at that, at that point, at that yes. point, you're putting putting forward a, a facade. Correct. When people think you're oh you're you're so you're so you know holy or whatever you know, mm-hmm. you know they think oh your family's so incredible and then you're um, you know putting all this pressure on your family not to yeah. do anything on Sundays or whatever because because you have to uphold that image and it just becomes dangerous. Yeah. Um, now we do have some qualifications that we find we in scripture. We have have some qualifications that scripture says of, Hey, this is the kind of person that you should view as a leader. Yeah. Um, but they, we had to start with this idea of that pastors should be known. Mm -hmm. They should be known by their people. And if it's a a massive church, 10,000 people, whatever. Okay. Obviously you can't be known by everyone there, but at least a subset within that, that they're in a community group that they're, I'd say outside of staff and elders, people Mm -hmm. who aren't paid Mm -hmm. should know this person. Yeah. Um, because that helps ground them. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we've accepted that, once we say, okay, this person is known, then we do have some qualifications that we can compare them up against. Yeah, there's a few r- very clear structured passages about church leadership. And 
qualifications or qualities or virtues of like and so you're going to see them mostly in uh first timothy and you're going to see them in titus and uh and and they're kind of interesting because let me just even just state them just a few of them that are good qualifications to uh for for someone attending a church to vet a pastor in and also for a pastor to know themselves right and one is they're devoted to their spouse right mm -hmm. so that's one that's important are they devoted to their spouse um are they someone who is invested in their family yes their family is not perfect but there there's a relationship that's between them and their children if they have them right that's really important um that these two passages highlight um that they're a faithful steward that not just now we're talking about just finances are they a faithful steward of the resource that god has entrusted them with meaning the people meaning the message right those are important things um are they humble not arrogant and so that's that piece that when it, it that, that can get carried away sometimes especially when you don't know the person because mm -hmm. humility is the easiest thing to act from stage mm -hmm. as ironic as that sounds mm -hmm. you're on a stage you know mm -hmm. but but humility is just you know oh hey i struggle with this too blah blah blah, blah. you know I mean um it's easy to, to, to act that, mm -hmm. but modeling it offstage is different, and it can only be known by mm -hmm. the person actually being known by their community. Yeah, for sure. And, and it is an easy thing to do from stage to say, you know, but it, it kind of put yourself down in front of everyone, but you really don't think that. But it makes people, like, let their guards down. That's, that's a, in, in a way, if it's not authentic then it's just kind of a trick in a way. And it's not It good. is a trick. And usually it's it's low-level stuff, just like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm the worst with doing laundry, or oh, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I'm so bad at maintaining my lawn, or so, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. there, that's that's like this low-level humility, which is like, hey, no one actually cares about that. Mm -hmm. um, they care about the way you treat people offstage. Mm -hmm. They care about the way that, you know, uh, how much time do you spend um, reading comments on your social media, um, or, or, you know, YouTube of your sermon because you're so obsessed with what people think of you. Yes, for sure. Um, the, another one that's interesting is the pastor must be gentle, not quick tempered. Mm. And, you know, that's important. And, and, uh, uh, there's pressures with the job. There's, um, you know, it's, it's like when you're working with someone who's in a real serious situation and, in and, and you know, Chad, you know, from teenagers, what was great about youth ministry is that teen, teen, teens are more trusting and you can almost get them to rethink something quickly because they haven't had a long time behavior in that way. Mm. With adults, it's very different. And so some people, it can take a year of like working through something. But yeah, there are pastors who just say, you know what, if you don't want to try, get over it. Just move past it. I'm done working with you. In a way, there has to be a gentleness about a pastor and how they deal with people. I mean, obviously keep standards, but they need to do that. And so um, I also think that the uh, pastor must be peaceful, not violent or call for that. Pastor, these are all from those passages. Pastor must be financially integrous, not wanting to seek their own greed and gain. They must be hospitable. Um, a pastor must be a lover of good things, things that are good and promote things that are good. Um, self-controlled and so they need to be self-controlled um, they have to be upright I mean there's so many here that must be able to teach and actually out of the entire list here this is the only one that is based on someone's actual ability that's interesting all the other ones are 
virtues, values, and character. This is the one that you that is yes. You want to put the hard work into it. You're, you you put your ability to work, but all the other ones they don't require that. The rest are character. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's this author that that I love, um, David Hansen, and he uses this illustration of explains what a parable is. He says a parable is when Jesus uses something known to explain something unknown. He says in this way, a pastor is a parable to Jesus who he himself, Jesus, is a parable to God the Father. He's yeah. someone who walked and lived in front of them. They can look at it and say, okay, this is the kind of nature God is. Yeah. Well, whether you want it or not, pastors, <laughs> you are, for many people, especially mm-hmm. people who are, are newer to their faith, you are modeling for them yeah. what Jesus looks like. Now, that is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge level of, uh, of pressure, but that's the reality. Now, once you're a mature Christian, you can understand that a pastor makes mistakes and that they are not Jesus in the flesh. Um, but when you're brand new to your faith and you're trying to figure out what does it look like to actually live this, you're going to look at this figure. And that's why it is mm-hmm. so important that they actually have those qualities because those are the qualities yeah. that Jesus had. Yeah. But once again, all of those fall under the fact of being known because I can act like all of those on stage sure. very easily. Yeah. But then if I'm running out the back door, you know, I came in from the green room, running out the back door to my car, and yeah. uh, that's the only time anyone sees me, well, then that's pretty easy to fake. Yeah. But if I'm known. And Chad, um, maybe just a cultural check is that a lot of the reasons people will pick a church or even start to uh, be under the teaching of a certain pastor or under the leadership of a pastor, they'll choose the ability. Mm-hmm. They'll lead the church over that ability, that one characteristic yeah. that's an ability, and not necessarily go to a church or be under a pastor's leadership because of all the character. Yeah. That just might be a cultural thing that we and see. That's so frustrating. As an insider, like, that, that's so frustrating when you see that. Mm-hmm. It, it, when you do see certain people with platform. Now, no, this just sounds like um, someone who's bitter you know so bitter because we haven't made it or something <laughs> made it is a, some a definition that has been defined outside of scripture but go ahead sure yeah, yeah exactly um but it's just so frustrating when you see I mean, we've met some pastors even locally who have said things to us that we're just shocked after that you have a congregation mm-hmm. um I guess that's not for us to judge, at least not right here, right now. <laughs> you just but, got so sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's frustrating to see. But um, anyways, you, you know, but at the same time, we get these examples of people who just live it. And, you know, I, I uh, have a, a close friend whose dad is a pastor. And I remember I was going to pick him up um, years ago. And he was living across the street from the church at the time. And as we were picking him up, I saw his dad across the street just um, talking with mm-hmm. every family that walked by. Mm-hmm. And the church is big. That church is probably close to 2,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked him, I said, what's he doing? And he said, oh, well, you know, the neighborhood's becoming Hispanic, so he's been working on his Spanish. And so, like, when school gets out and the families are all walking home from school, he said he just sits out on the sidewalk and just says good afternoon and just talks to each family as they're walking by, mm-hmm. practicing his Spanish. And, all, and you see, and you're just like, that's incredible Yeah. that even of a church of, of you know, 2000 or so, this, this guy cares about people that much mm-hmm. um, to just to just be available and to meet people. And yeah, it's just it's, just, it's rare. It's rare to see those. Yeah. You know, we even had um, someone in our, in our church a, a while ago um, 
see that another church was kind of like bringing in a big name, mm-hmm. right? A big name speaker yeah. or a big name, you know, author, or whatever. And then turn and say, well, why aren't, why aren't we doing that? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we bringing in big names? Mm-hmm. Um, and that just exposes, I, I think, the root of all this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say this gracefully, but the the problem, I think, with with celebrity, the phenomenon of celebrity pastors. Yeah is based in just everyday Christians. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, if we want our pastor to be someone, mm-hmm. they're going to eventually be someone. Yeah. The, the pastors are, you know, they they know what kind of uh, content, what kind of sermons, what kind of social media campaigns, whatever, brings people in the door. Mm-hmm. And so with enough people saying we want that, mm-hmm. we want our pastor to be someone, mm-hmm. well, eventually he's going to be someone. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, the most important thing, uh, always that we have to keep in check in ourselves, Chad. And, um, and, and this is something that's a struggle for every person in a pastoral leadership is, uh, just being able to curb those temptations to, to, um, with the with the reasoning of I want to expand my platform, mm-hmm. I want to grow, I want to reach more people, but um, also at the same time uh, we have to remember that we are currently shepherding and pastoring and discipling people too. So there there is that part where the temptations there and the pressure is there culturally because um, it, it just seems to be that way. Whoever has the biggest following actually is the wisest person in the room. And I, I don't necessarily think that's always true. Um, I think that um, for a church, check for myself, for anybody in a part of a church is, um, is our church growing spiritually? Are we growing more as a community? And is our pastor known? And I think that it's the, it's the great risk that all pastors have to do um, and uh, I don't say this lightly, and I don't say to somebody who has gone forward in this and tries regularly, fails sometimes, but to be transparent and open and known and be in relationship with their mm-hmm. congregation. It's very, very important. And it, it is. And you know what we have said since the beginning, this podcast is for Soundhouse Church. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking to American Christianity or something. You know, we're sure. speaking to Soundhouse Church. Yeah. So Soundhouse Church, here's our commitment. We value our character yeah. more than our platform, mm-hmm. Ryan and I do. Uh, we will prioritize our character more than our platform. But here's part of the issue, which does speak a bit to Christian culture, is we have to change what's attractive. Mm-hmm. We have to stop following the pastors who are super trendy and Mm -hmm. who are name dropping on social media with what celebrity they're hanging out with. We have to change what's attractive. Yeah. Um, Now look at follow TMZ for your celebrity gossip. Like that's fine. (laughs) Like go, but you know, whatever, go for that junk food if that's what you want. But when you are looking uh, towards a pastor, when you're looking towards, towards spiritual edification, use the qualifications that Ryan just gave you. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would say the biggest one is humility. Mm-hmm. Like, can you find someone who has Christ's humility and his love and, and self-sacrificing love for others? 
real quick, I'll, I'll share this. I think it's fascinating. There's a thing called the Messianic secret. Mm-hmm. You see it a lot in the Gospel of Mark, is that Jesus does something, usually a miracle, a healing, and will tell that person early on in the Gospel, don't tell anyone what happened. Now, this is always confusing to people. They're always saying, like, why is he saying don't tell anyone? Isn't his whole purpose here to be known? But the issue is that he wants to be known in the right way. And so someone who he just showed up and, and healed them, they're going to go and say, hey, I met this magician who healed me, this mm-hmm. witch doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be known in that way. It's once he feels that his message of who he is as the Messiah, as this the Son of God here to redeem humanity, that's when he says, go and, and, and preach my name. Yeah. So he's telling people, don't tell them, you know, don't tell anyone what happened. And yet his most revealing moment is the cross. His most public revealing moment is the cross in which is an act of Mm -hmm. self-sacrifice. That should be our standard. Mm -hmm. When we look for spiritual leaders, we should remember that that Jesus' most defining moment is self-sacrifice. That's what we should find attractive. Yeah, and I I believe that... um you know, we live in such a day and age where <clears throat> you can have a lot of pastoral voices in your life and it's good. You can search them on YouTube. You can get an audio book. You can, you know, uh, watch their uh, sermons or podcasts. Um, my encouragement would be is it's important to have both a shepherd in your life and all those other resources that you can hear and listen and grow yourself spiritually. But the main thing that I feel like we want to challenge today is we have to make sure as people who are part of the church, because pastors are just as much a member of the church uh, as the, as the attenders that we are not necessarily just giving out what people want, Mm. but what people need. Yeah. John chapter six, Jesus gave people what they wanted, which was the food. Mm. But then when he gave them what they needed, it was those who only knew him who remained, yeah. his disciples. Yeah. Everyone else left. And so I think that's important that we're going to places and being shepherded by those who give us what we need yeah. and not necessarily what we want. But you can have lots of influences in your life. Sure. But the encouragement is have a shepherd in your life. Yep. Yep. And nothing's harder to fake than character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are plenty of pastors who are phenomenal performers yeah but but character gets exposed eventually and, and nothing's harder to fake than character. and pastorally with character you can't do the old slogan fake it till you make it yeah okay it is one of those things that if if you can just be transparent known part of the congregation with your ambitions curbed to the gospel and what god wants you to do and following his lead then you know it's it, whatever he wants to allow you to be is what god wants to do based I will be based solely on your character. Yeah. Soundhouse Church, thank you for joining us today. We 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 miss you. We love you and we will see you soon.